Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Beth Maitland. And this is Joel Bruck. And we're on Brandon's Buzz. We're buzzing with Brandon. We are. We're buzzing with Brandon, so tune in. Hi, everybody. This is Nicholas Walker, and you're listening to Brandon Buzz on Blog Talk Radio. This is a great show. Brandon is a great host. (laughs) So if you feel that you just can't take it, and your world isn't what it seems, don't forget that life can be what you make it Better when you live on a street of dreams Hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you're with Brandon's Buzz, the place to be This is Harry Garber, and you are buzzing with Brandon This is Maya Bialik, and you are lucky enough to be listening to Brandon's Buzz Oh, oh. Hey guys, welcome back to Brandon's Buzz. It's August 27th, 2009. It's 10 p.m. here in Texas. It's 11 p.m. in New York City. It's 8 p.m. out in sunny California. And I've got a great show lined up with a great guest. And we've got a lot to talk about. So we're just going to dive right in. You know, um, uh, for a while there, it looked like it wasn't even going to happen. But at long last, the 36th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards will be handed out this Sunday night. And after what has been a rough soap summer, what with guiding light crawling to an end, and all my children preparing to uproot itself from its home of nearly 40 years, the industry is ready to celebrate. My guest tonight is a veteran segment producer of past Emmy telecasts, as he told us on his last visit here. Uh, And this year he has been given the gargantuan task of crafting for the show a fitting final farewell to the light. And he's come by the buzz this evening to give us a sneak preview of what he has in store and to reveal his picks for this year's winners. You know, we had so much fun during his first appearance on this show earlier this summer, that I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome back to Brandon's Buzz this evening, soap journalist and expert, Michael Fairman. Hello. How are How you? How are you doing, sir? I am good. I, I'm, I'm a little shocked that we're just three days away from the long-awaited, highly anticipated show that almost never happened. So it, we're kind of all kind of excited, and I can tell a lot of people are coming into Los Angeles. A lot of our peers and, mm-hmm. and actors and journalists are all arriving today. So... Uh, it's just been nonstop, you know, for a few months, and I, I'm really, I'm hoping, you know, that we finally give daytime its due on Sunday night, and, um, you know, it was a rough road, as you said. Absolutely. You know, and it's so funny, because the nominations were announced back in May, and so it's been this huge... <laughs> I know. I, I've been, when I was watching all the reels and, and, and looking at everything, I'm like, wait a minute, this was a year and a half ago, so... <laughs> You know, you know when you think like the Oscars are bad. I mean, this is like really weird. Yeah, I know. Here we are, already eight months into next year's uh, reels, and, and which means and, like three uh, more. Right, exactly. So in December, that's the end of that, and we start all over with who's going to submit what. Um, that's been that's kind of the weird thing about it is that it, this work happened so long ago. But what was really interesting is when I sat and watched everybody's performance. I was like, ah, yes, like it jogs, you know, jogs your memory. Uh-huh. To remember that some of the submissions, when I heard some of the nominations, I was like, what? You've got to be kidding, and then, which we'll talk about. But but then when I watched some of the actors and actors, lead actor and actress, and, and some of the work, I was like, you know, even when I saw that particular episode, I remember thinking that it was awesome. Uh-huh. So uh, there were some excellent submissions and then there were some you know not so but uh you're exactly right wondering. though i mean when yeah. on, on first glance at some of these nominations it looked like some of them were picked out of a hat but then when when you go back and really study it it it, it does kind of sort of make sense 
It does, and, and kind of when you see what they were judged on, and remember, as we've talked about before, it's really about the one episode, so you're not being judged on your body of work for the year. And that's what's really difficult, because there are certain people that body of work consistently mm-hmm. is outstanding, and they're not in there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at people like Eric Braden or Trevor St. John or, you know, some of the... I mean, the people that were left off that we talked about before. Some of the great people who were always great. Yeah, always. I mean, I've said in in many things I've written, I've talked about this, I thought the two of them, I I was for sure thinking they would be in the finals. Sure. And that didn't happen. So before we get to the Emmy picks, let's talk about what everybody's going to be talking about Sunday night, and that is the the Guiding Light Farewell that the, the Telegast producers have planned. And I understand that you are spearheading this, and I'm wondering if you can... Give us some tidbits of what we can expect of this. <laughs> well, first of all, I, you know, the, the challenge, and I, I think I've talked about this, has been the fact that this is a, an award show that's only two hours. And the yes. fact of an award show, and when I've done these award shows before as a producer on them, they have to keep to, they try to keep to time, and then the unexpected always happens. People get up and win. They talk longer than they're than you want them to, or you don't want to cut them off because they're in there's something profound. Exactly. So you have to, when when they're cutting the show down, it's really, when I saw the pacing of the final show, it's really moving fast, and which always is tough because when you get to the end of the show, it's just usually what everyone's waiting for, the mm-hmm. big moment, the big tribute, the best actor, the lead actor, the best mm-hmm. show. And, you know, many times we've watched a broadcast and you, you, you go, where are the clips? You know, exactly. they've cut them out because, you know, so they've really shortened um, the packages down because they want to keep the show moving. So that being said, you know, there were 57 years of, of guiding light on television to go through, and the process of this was gigantuan in the fact that there were certain things that were sent to me by the show, there were certain things I requested, and some of the footage was usable as far as you could – it didn't look good anymore. It was old footage. So where, the, was, where the hell do you even start trying to parse through it all? <laughs> I mean, seriously. I think I ate a box of crackers every day and sat there and said, oh, my God, what is that? Um, you start – you just start watching. You just start watching, and you you have to figure out what, you know, what, what story you're trying to tell. For me, what I wanted to tell was – the characters and situations and what it meant to so many people that have stood by that show multi-generationally across the board mm-hmm. for many, many years. It is really hard. It's a compressed tribute. Um, there was a longer version, and then there was a semi-longer version. There's a short version. I think due to timing, the short version is probably what – because it's, it's strategically placed towards the end of the show. So I don't think it's going to be – it's not going to be a long tribute that people are expecting. So I want to just clear that up. Okay. Yeah. It's short. It's short. There is a longer version, and someday, you know, I, I, will, I will share that. A director's um, cut? A director's cut, which <laughs> is the long original cut. <laughs> so, But uh, Betty White is has been chosen by the producers of the show to anchor the piece. There were things that went out on the Internet <laughs> yesterday that was like, what? I was like, no, Catherine Kelly Lang, John McCook... <laughs> <laughs> Ron Moss are not anchoring the Guiding Light piece. <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm getting these calls and they go, Michael, what's going on? I'm like, ah, where did this come from? It was a, I don't know who put that up, but that's not right. It is Betty White solo presenting the tribute. Um, I know that 
the entire cast, current cast, is coming. I know that they will be there. I know they will be part of the tribute at the end. Excellent. Um, any, and any past cast members or no? I, you know, I, I'm not sure what the – I think a few. Um, and I know – I believe we're having a rehearsal for that, uh, I think, on Saturday. Um, the schedule keeps changing, but um, they will be there for a brief moment. But, again, you know, I, I want people to understand that it is a sh- it's shortened, it's compressed. So when they see it, you know, there's a lot of moments that were not in the final cut, and, I, and decisions had to be made. And, uh, but you will see – it's hard for me to talk about because I've been so close to it um, and lived it. <laughs> um, but you'll see some, you'll see, you'll see Slut of Springfield <laughs> for sure, and you will see um, Tom Pelfrey, and you will see Justin Dees, and you will see, you will see uh, Maureen. And you'll see some other things. So, I mean, I think it will be hopefully a high emotional point of the show. Um, and I wish I could have given him a five-minute tribute or a ten-minute tribute because there was so much. There's so much to tell and so many amazing performances when I watched it, watched all of it back and trying to organize it in a way that made sense. Absolutely. You know, I I can only imagine that you were that you were thrilled and terrified at the same time to get this. Film. Well, the problem with <laughs> I was thrilled and terrified. I was terrified because, like I'm talking about the comp- I, I always say the word the compression, like the compression of the story we talk about. So it's the compression of it. It's like I, the expectation of it, and then there's the compression of it due to time. So you have to realize your vision, and then what you're having to deal with production-wise mm-hmm. as far as time. Um, that was the terror of it, you know, that part. Um, the thrilling part of it was the honor to do it. Sure. Um, the other part of it was trying to get through. Ha- I mean, I cannot tell you, and I'm, you know, I'm very open about my feelings on this stuff. Every time I watched Tom Pelfrey get on that bed and the Tammy stuff, I, I could not stop crying. I couldn't. I would watch. I gotta watch this again because I had to figure out like how I would use it or the time code, and I'm like, I can't. And then I'd be start crying. It's really hard to watch, and it, you realize how good it is if every time that gets you up, you know, it really gets you. Mm-hmm. So there were those moments in there, and then there were things in there. I went, "How come this was in here?" You know, but it's it was tough. But uh, and I hope I hope people will like it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure it's going to be the most talked about moment in the ceremony. I, I can't imagine that it won't be. And you know, when you talk about when you talk about time constraints, I think it, I would think that it's especially important on the CW this year because, you know, at at nine o'clock they go to syndication, they go to uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. thing that's so. the thing I want right, and that's the thing I want to say. I think in a perfect world, and not on this particular situation that the Emmys are facing, this would have been a different beast. And and that's the other thing. Um, there would have been more time allotted to it. It has to move fast. It's, they're driving the show more entertainment based this year. Um, then I think I think that was a goal to make an entertainment spin on it. Thus, Vanessa Williams is doing two numbers okay. in the show. Um, that was what the producers and the the executive producers wanted to do with the show. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I, I, I would imagine that you've been watching some of the rehearsals. How is she going to be as host? Uh, do you have a good feeling about that? Well, actually, she hasn't gotten here till tomorrow. Uh, oh, okay. 
So I, she does not get into town till tomorrow, and I have not seen her do it. I know what we have planned. I okay. know what the script is. Um, I know the opening number I did have a hand in because, of course, I had to pick the clips for the, the soaps and how that would interplay with Vanessa's opening. There's a cute opening um, that when I preliminarily saw what they were doing with it, I thought was good. Um, but it does feature some of a few of our famous soap couples, and I won't tell you who. <laughs> Excellent. But they're in there. So it was my job to try to inject anywhere I can as carrying the torch for all of us in soaps to, like, where are the soap operas? Put it in here more. You know, I was trying to keep that in there because we're really realizing with Guiding Light going away and what's happened with the ratings and the daytime, all the all the hullabaloo that's been going on, that, you know, are people really thinking daytime's only talk shows? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I hope that's not what ends up happening to daytime. Yeah. And game shows. And court shows and, you know. And court shows and <laughs> yeah. judge who judge this one and judge that one and judge so-and-so. Um, you know, um, but... Uh, you know, it's at the Orpheum. I went into the Orpheum yesterday, and it's a beautiful old theater. I mean, it, yeah. it's just a beautiful old refurbished theater. It's very, very small. And, you know, I told, you know, anyone that wants to come down, we'd love to have people coming down, the fans, to come down early. There's limited bleacher seating on the red carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a pre-show, the red carpet, one hour before with Laura Spencer of The Insider and Kevin Frazier of Entertainment Tonight hosting it. So... One of the things that I have been doing is making sure that the questions and the cards that they asked the soap stars were relevant and correct, because I, I would know I would know that. So I did a lot of research for the for that show just to keep it. You don't want to ask something somebody something that happened 20 years ago that has no relevancy, or or, or this character, or who's related to who, and. You're nominated, you know, John McCook. Your 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 acting partner's nominated tonight, and you know those kind of things. So uh-huh. I did a lot of work with that as well. Excellent. But that's an hour before the show. It's going to be a three-hour block on the CW. So you start watching an hour before, and it goes right into the Emmys with no break. Excellent. So grab your potato chips and ginger <laughs> ale and drinks. <laughs> you know, you talk about the theater being being smaller than than past venues. I'm sure you saw Jeannie Cooper's interview that she gave Michael Logan last month in which she talked about how the Emmys kind of got too glitzy and too glam for their own good and that the audience doesn't necessarily care about all the dresses and all the tuxes and all the falderall. Uh, did she have a point about that or, or no? Well, here's the point that Jeannie was making in my mind, and, and I've talked about this with a lot of the legends and the people that I've been around for many years in the medium, and that is we all remember, I guess we're all stuck back in that old age, but we all loved the time when it was the Marriott Marquis, and we were all sitting there like having lunch or dinner, and they would give out the awards, and it just seemed more inside, not a big, you know, trying to be something it wasn't Uh at the time. And it was just, it was very, it, it worked really well. And now you have what we're dealing with now, trying to put on a big, gigantic show. As though um, it's the Oscars. Right, but, but the Oscars is the Oscars. And, um, <laughs> you know, so she had a point in one way, yes, I will say that. Because, you know, I loved the days when, when the broadcast was in Radio City and when it was in New York. It just gave it that, you know, extra kick. But now it's really sad because there's no soaps in New York. 
<laughs> so that's not going to work. <laughs> but what I was saying is it's a beautiful old theater, the Orpheum, and you look at it, and it, there's so much history to it. And I was saying that for the fans, and we had posted this on MichaelFairmanSoaps.com when it first came out, that if you want to come down early, you've got to get there early because there's limited bleacher seating. There's just not a huge area, and there, there are, fans can't come in. There's no tickets because all the tickets, it's, it's a very small venue. I think it's 1,500 seats total. Wow. So it's got That's to... very intimate. It's very intimate. And so when I walked in, I went, wow, this is really intimate, which I think wow. will be interesting in one end, but it, it, it's a much smaller space. And um, tomorrow's really the first day when I go down there tomorrow. We're doing a walkthrough and kind of seeing the lay of the land. When I was there the other day, I Twittered it. Uh, I tweeted, excuse me, <laughs> tweeted um, that, you know, we were just starting, they were bringing in the sets and just starting it. But I think we'll really be into gear tomorrow and Saturday. I know on Saturday people are rehearsing and things like that. Well, I, I know that, that what's on paper doesn't always translate on screen, but, but, you know, I mean, you're a veteran of these telecasts, and I'm wondering how you think that this telecast will stack up against previous ones. That's a hard question. This has been uh, uh, this has been different than some of the other telecasts because of the constraints and because of what we're tr- what they're trying to do and being on the CW. It's very interesting because you know this CW is not does not have a daytime soap opera on their lineup, mm-hmm. so it's just it's a different feeling. But I think the goal here is to save the show to make sure that there's another daytime Emmys next year, and whether or not you know. I mean, the goal is, of course, to have great ratings, but also to put on a good show. Um, the elements are there. I have not seen the show. You know, it's very hard. Everybody, and I just want to clarify this, all the different producers are doing different things on the show. You know, you really don't see the show come together till like, the day or two before when you're actually running it through. Exactly. So until you do a run-through of the show like a Broadway show, you're not seeing how do the pieces really fit. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, I know the elements that are there, but I haven't seen it put together. So the, I, I will say the elements are there, uh, but I haven't seen it put together. Well, you know, just from reading the interviews and hearing, the, you know, hearing the the uh, the interviews and the you know the what the producers are trying to do. I mean, it's it's quite clear that they're working their asses off to not only put on a good show, but to save this show for future airings. Well, that I think that's really important to get out there, that that's really the goal, to save the show so there will be a future for the Emmys, because as you know, six months ago there was no future for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Thus, we're pushed back to August. Um, there was really no future. Nobody was going to have it on air. So what, what were they going to do? Um, you know, there there are things that daytime gives back, things, you know, another thing they're trying to do to bring, you know, emotional high point to the show, um, which I know you know with Kelly Monaco, Tony Geary, and Susan Lucci going to Africa. Absolutely. Which is part of the show. And I know um, the editor that I worked with on the Guiding Light Tribute actually went to Africa. He was in Kenya. He was there. I think he worked with, um, I'm not quite sure if it was Tony or not, but he was, you know, everybody had their own actor that they followed in mm-hmm. Kenya. And uh, he was there and said it was the most amazing experience to really, it really puts you it's a reality check, you know, to see the third world, what they're living with, and the and the children, and the death, and what they're dealing with, and to come back here, it was a reality check. And I can tell you, this was a 24-hour, 26-hour trip. They would come back from Kenya, and they were at the Rite of Bay the next day. So it was just like that. Wow. You know, so that's in there. I know there's a fashion show um, that's going to be in there that Tyra Banks is going to be anchoring that will feature many of the daytime 
couples and soap awesome. stars. So that's in there. And I think some other things. Sesame Street Tribute okay. um, is in the show. And then we've got all of these awards to give out. And uh, I think Vanessa will be a good host. I think she, you know, she gives it some. It, it's a different choice. Sure, uh, it, you know, it's it, it's thinking way outside the box. But you know, I mean, she's she's uh, a huge television star, and she's a, a gorgeous woman, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a different atmosphere, a different texture. I do too. I mean, I, we talked to her on the phone, and she seemed to be enthusiastic about doing it. I mean, it wasn't like, oh gosh, I have to do the Emmys. I mean, she really was enthusiastic to do it. <laughs> And she's nominated this year in one of the children's categories. She and she's not? nominated in the children's category. So, right. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, as you and I talked about uh, when you were on a couple of months ago, th- I mean, if this thing holds its ratings from last year, it'll be one of the highest rated telecasts in the history of the CW. So, I mean, you know, it, it, doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to garner a huge spectacular number to be a success. Right. I think that, like I said, I think the goal is to put on a good show for the industry, to say that we're still around, and obviously to get great numbers would be great. And, you know, I just encourage everyone to watch because it's important. I'm, it's almost like voting. I want to say, like, get out and support the show, whether you just get out and, get out and support that show. You know, turn on the TV. That's what I'm saying. If you want, if we're going to continue, we, we, we really want the best numbers we can have because I would really be completely, as much as a debacle as this journey has been for the Emmys, this year, I mean, it would really stink if there's no way to honor the, the the work and achievement of the people that work the hardest in this business, which is the soap opera community, Absolutely. because it's without question to me the hardest working um, there is. So without to have them not be honored is pretty bad. And I, but I would also like next year the voting system to be fixed too. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be changed. <laughs> And that's let's a whole not, other let's discussion. Let's not bite off more than we can chew. That's a whole other discussion for another. <laughs> yeah, I can't deal with that right now. <laughs> so let's talk and about I, the awards themselves. We've got uh, Outstanding Younger Actor. We've got Cornelia Smith Jr. from All My Children, Blake Barris from Days, Darren Brooks from Days, E.J. Benilla from uh, Guiding Light, and Brighton McClure from Young and the Restless. Well, first of all, Brighton McClure is now going under the name of Brighton James. We had to change that. He's okay. now officially Brighton James. So if anyone doesn't know that, you cannot call him McClure. Well, for years he didn't even have a last name. So right, first it was Brighton. That's <laughs> very confusing. <laughs> You're so right. So it is. Bright is now been changed to Brighton James. Just want to let. That's my big news for the night. Okay. Um, so what are you asking me about these gentlemen? These uh, who do you like here? Well, this was uh, interesting. I mean, I I picked. I, I think Blake Barris will win, and I think Blake Barris should win, but I think Darren Brooks and Brighton have reels that could win it. It's really interesting. I didn't love Cornelia Smith Jr.'s reel, as some of my other soap pundits did. I had a problem with it because when I watched it, Darnell Williams stole all of the scene from him, so I was focused on the other actor. And if I was focused on the other actor, I felt, well, that doesn't quite work. I should be going, wow. And I just didn't. I didn't. See, I didn't feel like it was a father seeing. Well, it was like a father seeing a son for the first time in 20 years. I just didn't. Sure. I, I didn't feel it. Where I thought Blake Barris, where his material was not. You know, the material was kind of. Uh, but he gave a really great performance, and and I thought Darren Brooks was really good too, and shocking. 
you know, I was all set to, because we've had years in Brighton one, and it was like, what did he win for? But his reel had a beginning, middle, and end. And a uh-huh. beginning, middle, and end, and a reel, and if you watch it, a voter gets the story, and they can follow the story. And I think that could play in his favor. Gotcha. So... And you know, I mean, the 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 underreported story here is that you know most of these voters don't have any idea what's going on. They're going in totally blind when yeah. they watch these reels and and vote. Right. I mean, the, and I want this is the other thing. It is really a game of strategy. That is what this is about. It's really a game of strategy. And what is your strategy? Are you and you have to put every you you I, I believe it was you have to put every scene you are in on the episode in. Um, and I think then I heard they took that rule out. So if you're opening a door, you don't have to put that in. <laughs> but it used to be you had to do everything. Um, but it is tricky because it's like, do you put together what do you what kind of reel do you pick? Do you pick a reel where you have amazing moments where you're crying and laughing and this? Or do you do a change of emotions? Do you even though the story's kind of difficult to follow if you don't know what happened before it? Sure. That's the problem with the soap opera actor. If you don't know what happened before it, do you get what's going on if you just step into it? So sometimes these crafted performances that are standalone episodes, as Christian LeBlanc did, you know, as you know, as other these people have done, where you can follow from beginning, middle to end. Sometimes the voter goes, "I get it. I vote this." Mm-hmm. You know, so it can sway a vote. Not that it's not good or bad. It just it makes it easier to follow if you don't know what's out, when it's out of context. And this year is extra tough because there was only one round of voting. Well, the that I really, round was the winner's round. So yeah, and I didn't like that at all, and I really think that was bad, because to me, if I'm an acting nominee and I now know my competition, I may change. The, if it is truly a competition, then I would like to submit again. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know a lot of the actors are like, I'm glad it was one because I don't have to deal with picking it out again, you know, picking another episode. But I would have liked to see a second round. But the fact that it's been known. For how many months is kind of weird. Sure. Okay. But hey, I'm just glad they're being handed out. (laughs) And no, I don't know the winners. (laughs) I haven't even seen the envelopes or the accountants yet. (laughs) Okay, so we got Blake Barris and Younger Actor. How about Younger Actors? We've got Kirsten Storms from General Hospital, Julie Berman from General Hospital, uh, Rachel Melvin from Days, Emily O'Brien from Young and the Restless, uh, Meredith Hagner from World Turns. Where's Brianna Moncrief? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Julie Berman has a reel where it's a standalone almost episode, and she's really doing a monologue in front of a rocking chair and a blonde wig, which is supposed to be catatonic Laura. And, you know, she's basically talking to nobody and doing these monologues. And if you look at that, it's powerful, it's complex. You know, she killed her pseudo-boyfriend and selfish friends like her mother did 20 years ago, and it works really well. And I think the voters will get that, and I think that will play in her favor. Personally, I love the work of Rachel Melvin on Days of Our Lives. I really loved the reel. She played so many emotions, laying in the hospital trying to save her father and the regret she felt for running over Zach and, and apologizing to Hope, and it really was good. I, I really That one moved me. She had some very powerful stuff. She's such a great actress. I mean, they're both really good. I felt in my handicapping, I think Julie Berman will win. I kind of would like to see Rachel Melvin win. Um, 
And it's amazing when you go back to days of our lives, like how many of these days' performances, when you think about everything, like days got all these nominations. Uh-huh. But then when you look at it standalone against uh-huh. other competition, these performances were really good. Um, Meredith Hagner. Okay, I was all prepared to hate this reel because I didn't know what it was going to be. But I actually thought she was good in it because she picked an episode where she confronts Jack and says, if you're going to hurt my mother, get out now. I don't want you to hurt my mother. I can't. She's been hurt by too many men. And I thought that was a really good thing to have like a young daughter stand up for her mother cause, and, and it actually worked. The problem I had with Kirsten Storms and Emily O'Brien's reels is they were so short. I just felt like, it felt like, oh, gosh, I don't have any material, so I'm going to stick this in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say they're not great. It's just it was they were really short. So I yeah. went with, uh, so I, as, and I was, I was, I love Kirsten, Kirsten Storms, and I thought she, you know, she's another one that could win. You know, she's um, terrific, but her year, her, her year should have been last year. I mean, she had, correct. she had great material all year long in 2007, and, and you know it's it's a shame that that she wasn't even on the ballot. I mean it's 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 very weird. Did you have any callers that wanted to comment or? Uh, you know what? I do have a few callers. Let's see okay. if if someone wants to toss in an opinion here. How about five seven one? You were first. Area code five seven one. You're on the line with Michael Fairman. Oh, five seven one just hung up. Okay. How about four one four? Area code four one four. You're on the line with Michael Fairman. Hi, Michael. Hi. I, I want to discuss. Um, the uh, CW network. Uh huh. Now I've been going on it from time to time, and I don't see any advertising about the Emmy Awards. Well, they actually just started running the promos this week. We were talking about that, and they have a few ten-second spots of Vanessa Williams and a few others. They actually started running this week. Um, yeah, I saw was, one the other day. You saw one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we and we put them on Michael Fairman soaps. I put one of them on there, and and they did just start running. You know, again. It's been a, a difficult situation. The whole kind of setup of it is a little dif- different than other years because it's not a full-supported network that has airing the soap operas. So, but they're on this week. There's, there's, oh. there's I've been, I'm trying to find them, but they're not there. So I guess my timing is different than when they're on. Um, Possibly. And I, I just, I just feel that a lot of people aren't aware of the CW network. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you tell somebody it's on CW network. They say, "Where's that? You know what?" And of course, it could be different in every community. Yeah, it's and tough. So, that's uh, a really good point. That's a in, really good point. In some markets, the CW is is way up in the in the UHF numbers. I mean, you know, uh, here in Austin, it's channel 54 of all of all numbers. So, well, my mine is like an 18. So, yeah, you know, you know. It's, it's hard. And, and the thing is that um, they're going to be opposite, like a major football game. Mm-hmm. Like the Dallas Cowboys are playing somebody, mm-hmm. and um, so I'm wondering what kind of uh, people are going to be looking for other things that night, and maybe they won't find it, and they may not get the ratings that they need. Right. I mean, that is that is a concern that I'm very concerned about. Um, that's why I'm. We're trying. It's really it's really interesting. All of us that are so um, consumed with this, you know, the other journalists and myself, we're really being out in our columns and in our articles and on our websites, really trying to get people to watch and get the word out. That's one of the reasons I'm doing the show tonight because I really want to get the word out to watch. We need people to watch. So if we have to do it, it's kind of like, it's almost like what guerrilla marketing, (laughs) you know, letting people know where to go. But the promos are running. Um, and it is eight o'clock 
8 o'clock Eastern Time Live, two hours and, and an hour pre-show before it. Um, so it's a three-hour block on Sunday. Well, I hope it, I hope uh, for you that worked on it and everybody else that it's going to be a success. Uh, I don't remember that they had music on the ones before. Did right, they? that's what's that's what's different about this. There, they are. Vanessa Williams is doing two songs, mm-hmm. um, one from I believe her latest album, and then the opening number. Well, I'm so, sure an album because you'll promote it. <laughs> well, isn't that what everybody does? Yeah, <laughs> so well, yeah, it, it it is that. I mean, that that is true. I mean, I don't remember we're talking about all the soap operas, but there are many other daytime shows. Right. You know, if people follow other things. Like I don't know, like what, but the the view or something like that. Um, then uh, they possibly could grab those those people. So you know, I don't. The views are on vacation, and these things are also nobody's even talking about that, which surprises me. Well, because they're pre-taped. Those shows are pre-taped. They're reruns. I see what you mean. You know they're what I'm like, saying? They're, they're old. They're re-airing certain shows that. I was just oh. watching The View today, and Maurice Bernard was on it from several months ago. Oh, I saw that a long time ago. Right, so so there you go. Yeah, well, all right. Well, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for calling in. What? Uh, thanks for calling in. Thank you. You know, it, 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 what's great about Vanessa is she, she uh, appeals to such a wide demographic of, of fans. I mean, you know, she has uh, fans of her music. She has fans of her acting. So uh, uh, I'm sure that that went into the choice, to the to the decision to choose her as the host. I'm sure that thinking like that, you know. Oh, I think so. I think they wanted to get a major star that was a recognizable name, you know, that was different. And I think they did accomplish that. With I mean, I I've never had an Emmys that I've ever been a part of that had Vanessa Williams. It was always like we had we had Kelly Monaco and we had Deidre Hall and we had Susan Lucci and it's outside the box. So. Uh-huh. And you know, back in the old days, it was Phil Donahue, and it was it was Phil Donahue with somebody very daytime. <laughs> Remember Phil Donahue? I liked him. Absolutely. Yeah, he was really good. So it seems to me, to my eye, that supporting actor and supporting actress are the shoe ins of the night. Supporting actor, we've got Jeff Branson, we've got uh, uh, Bradford Anderson, we've got Van Ansis, Jacob Young, Vincent Irizarry. I don't see how Jeff Branson can lose this. Well, here's the deal. <laughs> I watched everything. I have to tell you, I thought Van Hansis was amazing. Really? Amazing. I loved the reel. I was touched by the reel. I was upset by the re- I mean, it really moved me. I thought he was absolutely great. And I thought it was a slam dunk. You know, I think Jeff Branson is, will win. But I really think Van Hansis real I just thought he did great work and I would love to see him win I mean I like them both so much and to me they're uh, way above the rest of the pack and but Van gave a great reel so Van is terrific but he's very subtle this wasn't subtle this this reel was when he was really upset that Noah was walking out on him and needed a break and he was pleading for him to stay and to don't do this to them and you really felt bad. And what I liked about his reel was it was an arc of a story from beginning, middle to end. The way it, the way he chose the reel, I thought was actually really smart because you saw what what triggered 
this thing, and then he there was a he will he cheat? There was a thing that he might go cheat with another guy. He was thinking about it, and then he didn't, and he went back to him. It was like a full circle uh, show, and I thought it was a really I didn't know what he was going to choose, and I thought it was a great choice. Mm-hmm. Jeff Branson, on the other hand, uh, was great too. Um, I think that his reel really, for me, picked up in the middle of it when he found out that Kim Zimmer's Reba's cancer had come back, and you saw the play between the mother and the son, mm-hmm. and those scenes were really, really touching. And then the end, he's basically left there on the train tracks, throws his keys out, and you're like, wait, is he going to kill himself and let the train hit him? So that was really strong, too. I think he's going to win. I would love to see Van Hansis win. And I'd love to see Jeff Branson win, too, though, because he's the only... I mean, this is the shot for Guiding Light to have one last award. Yeah. You know? You know, it's it's scary how good he is and how well cast he is in that role, and they've tried for years and years to get the right actor in that role. And, and, and now it's, it's over. It's ridiculous. The, the show gets canned after they, after they strike. Yeah, goals. he's great. He's great. And... Uh, and I just think there's a. This is an interesting category. Um, you know, Bradford Anderson, who I think is also terrific. I just wanted to love his reel, and I didn't. I it was comic. You know, it was comedy tonight. It was all comedy, mm-hmm. which could be fine, but it wasn't one of my favorite. You know, Spinelli comic episodes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he could be a spoiler in this too. These things go weird sometimes. You a know, lot of times. It's it's strange, especially because there's only one round. I mean, you get you get one shot at it. I mean, it's, uh-huh. there could be a night full of upsets here. Oh, you mean a night full of me like throwing things at the monitor, <laughs> or like screaming in the press room, or yeah, I've done that before. But how great to see Van make the leap from younger actor to supporting actor. Cause I'm telling you, I would really be touched if Van won because the reel is really strong. I think there could be, you know, having him get up would be a really... I mean, you've got two guys that could make impactful speeches. Jeff for the show ending and Van uh, for playing the gay character. Um, there, it, I think those are, that is a good moment in the show. Now, if some one of the other guys wins, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think if Jeff wins, it, it'll be great just to see the entire Guiding Light company just go wild because you yeah. know they will. yeah. And supporting actress, we've got Melissa Claire Egan, we've got Alicia Minshew, Julie Pinson, Tamara Braun, and the almost certain winner, Brie Williamson. Who beats her? Uh, there is nobody that's going to beat Brie Williamson because that reel is flawless. I mean, her performance was amazing. And I, as I said, I was like holding on for my – because you know, she, she was gasping for air. She was getting so upset at the funeral, and she was losing her grip, and she was screaming at everybody. And I was like <clears> – like you would watch it, and you'd feel just chills. Like you felt so awful. It was so gut-wrenching to watch her, and she put everything into that. That's one of those – you know, every year there's one of those reels that just is sensational, and it, it, it's amazing. It really, really, really is. And I love when she wiped the floor with uh, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the cruel irony there is that she was the lead actress on that show in 2008. And uh, here she is in, in supporting actress, you know. Well, and that's the problem I have with her, and that's the problem I have with Alicia Minshew. You know, I just threw out Alicia Minshew in my mind because I, she's not a supporting actress, number one. She's just not. She's not. She's the star and, of the show. Yeah, she's the star of the show. So... That was that for me. I just, 
it didn't matter what she did. No, that's not true. But uh, I just I, I wrote she's in the wrong category. She's in the wrong category. Julie Pinson, another really solid actress. It was understated and realistic. And she, if anyone plays real and understated, she does a great job. Tamara Braun, I mean, a fantastic actress, really great. I mean, I just don't know if the whack jobs are going to cancel each other out. You know, Melissa Claire's wacko, and so is Tamara. So that could whack each other out. I, I, it's got to be Brie. But but watch, we'll all be wrong. But it's I, it's a no-brainer to me. Well, you know, I... I, I, I and I had Tamara. Tamara. Tamara is my close, is my second choice. You know, I, I'm no fan of Brie, and it, it has less to do with her than it does with the fact that I'm a huge Aaron Torpy fan, and I still miss her in that role. So you won't but, give her any, you get any, you get any, give her any love? But, you know, I mean, watching watching that, that, that Nash's funeral episode, I mean, she was incredible. She was incredible. She was, and I was just remembering going, oh, I just remember watching it the other day when I was going through everything because I wanted to watch it fresh, and I went like, oh, I was like that, like, because oh, uh-huh. you just saw her crumbling and screaming. It was just awful. She was great. Emmy, Emmy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's it's great to see Julie here because she's always been terribly underrated in her, in her work. and you know she's She is on- underrated. It's just I'm concerned about, She's been in thankless roles on thankless shows, and you know it's great to finally see her right. getting her due. Right, and Melissa Claire Egan's role, by the way, role real was very good too. And she again, you know, was talking to nobody because she was talking to, well, she wasn't nobody. She was talking to Richie, um, Billy Miller, and but she played that really well. She was distraught. She was nuts. She she had everything going. She actually, I thought, I had her in third place after Tamara. Bree, <laughs> you know when it's when it's right, it's right. Yeah. Well, let's take another call here. How about area code seven seven three? You're on the line with Michael Fairman. This is Rita, Brandon. Rita, how you doing? Okay. <laughs> Say hi to Michael. Thank you so much. I have so many questions to ask, Mr. Fairman. Hi. We can barely hear you, Rita. I can barely hear you. Kids. Does this sound better or would this one sound better? That's better. Does this one sound better? That's better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I called you on three phones because I wanted to talk to you so bad. <laughs> I remember talking to you. Oh, thank you. Yes. They said that they did everything they could for Guiding Light. I'm just curious. They did everything except a show, a soap that lasted 72 years and held its own in a big city like Chicago up against Oprah Winfrey. Why didn't they, didn't they ever try changing the time slots? Well, I think in certain markets the time slots were changed for yeah, them. You know, the problem was they weren't airing you know, you're thinking they're all there to 2 o'clock or whatever time it's supposed to be on on the network. But what was happening was Guiding Light was airing in different time slots that would screw it up in different affiliate markets around the country of CBS. So it wouldn't air at a, at a decent time. It would be filling in at, at 10.30, 11. It was always it was switching around. And I mean, uh, it, late at uh, night in some markets. Late at night in some markets. I mean, you know, it just got shuffled off. And as that got shuffled off and the ratings got lower and 
you know, the, the, the production model had to be changed, and, and again, they had to cut their budget 60%. That is huge in soap operas. This show, you know, I, I, this show did everything it could to survive with a budget cut that was so severe, and how to, you know, retread itself out, which is what they did with PPAC and everything else they tried to do. It was just... It was in, it almost at times seemed insurmountable, and they kept in there and they kept in there, but they 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 had they pulled it. Do I think that's right to do? No, I'm I'm devastated. I'm more devastated after doing this tribute. You know, it's I I feel very connected to it, um, to the show. Um, I feel very connected to these actors who I've been with in the past year, who I've gone to. New York and Orlando and hung out with and seen their work and been there and seen how hard they work. But it's a network decision, and, and the decision was, you know, they want to go with a game show. They, they, You know, it's too costly to keep it on the air, and it's not pulling in the ratings that they feel it needs to. Well, they could have changed it as a game show even, even if they were to change it from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock and put the game show opposite. Uh, I mean, Drew, Drew, what's his face? Um... Yeah, but they're not going to change The Price is Right because it, didn't The Price is Right lead into The Young and the Restless? You know, that's their format. You no, know, the, yeah, if the, they did The Price is the Right up against Oprah and then Guiding Light up against The View. Well, that wouldn't it, have helped it. How would that That help wouldn't it? have helped The Price is Right? Yeah, because Barb Parker wasn't there anymore <laughs> to keep the ratings up. I don't know how Drew is. Doing well, I just think they were in a really tough, tough, tough situation, and you know, uh, the, the network I had its plan to pull it. Yeah. And I really have to say, it's been in the cards for years. I mean, yeah. And as much as, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Um, as much as I, how do I say this? As much as I wanted it saved, because I really do. I. It, it, I didn't want it to become a p- more painful, slow death of, you know, if they were going to cancel it, were they going to put any more money towards promoting it? Like, what was going to happen if they just weren't behind it? Um, and we're, we're facing a time where these soap operas are struggling with such severe budget cuts and trying to stay on the air. You know, I... I I don't know. I, I didn't want to see. Here's my point. I did not want to see Guiding Light stand there and be diluted down anymore. Absolutely. Is that was my, game I, I, I shows? Mean, you think looking? Do you, do you see game shows in the future taking over? Because I understand, and and you could probably confirm or deny this. Are they eventually canceling One Life to Live? Well, here's. I hear thing. next year they're canceling that, and it's going to have. And you said there's no soaps in New York. No, I said that's, all well, my children is moving right. to Los Angeles, and uh, what's his name is One Life to Live is going to have that studio all to itself. Are they canceling that one too? Oh, I have to tell you, this has been the thing that's been, of course, bothering me because, as and you're right, what I said earlier in the show, as the world turns and One Life to Live being left in New York, where New York was the hubbub of soap operas, and it's obviously not going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is put them in a vulnerable situation, and I am concerned because I think I've said a million times that the One Life to Live is probably my favorite show of all time, and I would hate to see those tremendous actors, you know, that just fall apart. 
um, it puts them in an interesting position by making a statement that all my children is going to be is moving to LA to save the show. Um, and then, as it will turns, I know you've probably read everything on the internet that you know maybe only has one more year left. So I don't is, know. Has the world canceled? Being canceled too? No, not yet. No, it just they 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 were talking about this next year is very important, or it would be could be canceled. Well, they were wheeling in a, a lot of actors and actresses into into Has the World Turned. They had big actors like Robert Vaughn and even Mantooth came on there. Right. And, so I, and, and I agree with you, the thing about the soap opera awards, they only watch one scene. And like Josh Dumel won, and they took a wonderful scene, but all year round, he just, He's the gift that keeps on giving. He doesn't even know he has it natural. And then I think that guy from Has the World Turns won the following year. And well, I never just, really watched it. Innate, right. And I think that's what's interesting when, when fans or people that aren't voting or know the procedure, that's why I think it's really important. And I try to say this to everybody in the telecast and this, like I want them to know what they're nominated for. Like if you're – at the Oscars, you know that Sean Penn is nominated for the role of Harvey Milk. In the, mm-hmm. He's not nominated for the four films he did that year. He's nominated for one performance mm-hmm. of the film he did. You know, that's what these actors are. I, Jessica for the performance in the funeral, you know, it's one performance. And that's what people have to understand. That's what they're judging on. So, you know, if we were to do a soap opera award show, which, gosh willing, someday there will be another one like we used to have, uh-huh. there could be categories like Outstanding Actress of the Year, you know, whatever it would be called based on the totality of their work. But that's not how this game is played. Didn't Lila Quartermain get some kind of a special Lifetime Achievement Award? Yes, she did. she was gone? Yes, she did. Thank you so much. I know it's Eden Regal. I'm sorry? I know if Eden Regal wouldn't have won that one year, all hell would have broken loose. (laughs) She won and the one that played Emily Quartermain won that same year. And I, I know, think, I was there. Yeah. And, I, I, and nobody plays a, a lesbian with as much class and style as Eden Regal in this whole world. <laughs> well, maybe. And you know I'm right. <laughs> you I'm agree with me, not, right? I'm not saying you're not right. I just think she's, she's very good, and, and maybe she'll be back on the show when they're out here. You never know. Well, thanks for your call, Rita. Thank really you. Good to talk to you. We're going to move on. So we're up to we're up to the big ones, lead actor and lead actress. How about lead actor? We've got you know you and I have been talking about Christian LeBlanc all year and his magnificent performance in the It's a Wonderful Life episode. Uh, we've got Tony Geary also. We've got Danny Cosgrove. We've got Torsten K. We've got Peter Reckel. Oh, this is such a story. You know here. You know I have to tell you this is one of the years that even though the drama, you know, we didn't have Eric Braden, we didn't have Trevor St. John. But then when I watched the reels and got down to this, there's a lot of stories to be told. There are a lot of interesting things. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Peter Ruckel's reel is so great, so great, and I cried again, just like I did the first time I saw it. And he is a huge sentimental favorite going into this. He's never won. He's never been nominated. He's Bo Brady. He's a soap icon. And he's got a reel that is so powerful, and he's great. And it's amazing, you know, he's one of those guys like John Hensley and Doug Davidson and Robert Newman, they're so good at playing the true blue hero that it gets taken for granted that they're actually acting. 
And they're not given because they're always there. They're not given that moment in the sun. He was given that moment in the exactly. sun. And I'm like, if it's ever going to be the year Peter Ruckel's going to ever get it, this is it. So from a sentimental viewpoint, from a sentimental angle, he's the sentimental choice of the evening for sure. Because I can't imagine not a standing ovation after 30, you know, decades of playing Bo. Mm-hmm. Um, however, however, I watched Christian LeBlanc again. You know, I watched every one of these reels back to back because that's the only way you can really judge him, watch him back to back. So I sat here with my crackers or whatever I did and watched him back to back. And, you know, you know, even then it's so hard to, to judge one against the other. I mean, It's even- impossible. It's impossible because they're all, like I said, some reels are inclusive of a beginning, middle, and end. Some are this, some are that. Most of them are beginning, middle, and end. The actors pretty much did that. Christian LeBlanc's performance in It's a Wonderful Life, I told on On Air on Soaps on my website, I said last year was the performance, the single performance of the year. Mm-hmm. It really was. And I know people have commented that, you know, he's reacting to things and not t- talking, but he did everything in that one episode. Um, the angst, the humor, the terror, the upset, the sadness, it was all there. And when I watched it again, it broke me down in tears, just like Peter Reckle did. So I was like, it's really tough. <laughs> so I so I cried. Uh, but Tony Geary didn't make me cry. Tony's was, you know, he was humorous and, you know, he played four different parts. Mm-hmm. Because he played judge, the, the uh, he played the defendant, the prosecutor, and his own defense counsel as Luke. And he was facing his own mortality. Uh, I love Tony Geary. The story of the night is, will he win his seventh Emmy? Sure. If he wins his seventh Emmy, he beats Justin Dees and Erica Slayback. He's the record holder. Um, it, it was showy and predictable to me, and but it's Tony Geary. Yeah. You know, there, there you go. And You know, he's the one guy who can get away with showy and predictable. Right, because even in his showy and predictable, he's subtle too. So I just, the emotional heart of this, Peter Reckle and Christian have those emotional moments that are just unbelievable. So I think Peter Reckle's going to win. I'm really torn about this. Uh, and I know Christian and Peter both so well. So it's like these are two of my dearest, dearest people in the industry. So it's like, oh, how can I choose? Um, but Christian's real phenomenal. And he's won before. Sure, Does that he matter? has three, doesn't he? I think he has two. Does he have to? Yeah. You know, it, what's great about Peter is he's one of those he's one of those guys who first achieved fame on daytime, and then went off in search of greener pastures and came back, right. and got even better. Peter? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But I I I don't know. Did you love It's a Wonderful Life? Uh, you know, I did. I I, I thought it, you know, I, I think that sometimes Christian is too showy. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of his because he can he can be, you know, as subtle as a as a steam roller sometimes. But <laughs> but you know, I mean, you watch that episode and you and you totally get it. You just totally get it. Mhm. You know, so this category we, seems like a seems like a real toss up to me and I'm wondering if because you know, some people are going for Geary, some people are going for LeBlanc, some people are going for Reckel. What are the odds of a vote split here? Allowing one of the other two to slip in. Oh, I think it's possible. It's just you've you've got some you've got two perennial heavy hitters in LeBlanc and Geary. You've got Reckle, who's never been even recognized. In Torsten K, I wanted 
so badly for him to submit Myrtle's funeral <laughs> because I thought that was his greatest. Where I just his reel was very subtle and and it wasn't my favorite choice. Daniel Cosgrove's reel also was excellent, actually, um, but I just don't think it's enough to beat Reckle LeBlanc and Gary. Yeah, I, I don't see. I don't. Uh, that's why I'm telling you it's going to be Reckle. I don't know. Just a gut feeling. And my gut feeling is that <clears throat> I'd be thrilled for Christian, and there you go. And how about lead actress? This, to me, seems like the hottest race of the night with Debbie Morgan. This is one of the hottest races ever. 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 Ever, ever, ever. Susan, ever. Susan Flannery, Moore West, Jeannie Cooper. This is they, really... First of all, they've all won one before. Yes, they've all won one before. Two of one supporting, not one the big one. Uh, well, I don't think anything's a big one. If you're, you win, you win. Um, but I have to tell you, I've been saying this on all the interviews I've done, the people I've talked to on my website, it is a really exciting race. And I didn't know what I would feel. I knew for sure going into this. I mean, I had in my mind Jeannie Cooper, Susan Haskell, Debbie Morgan for sure because I just knew. Um, I was shocked. And I was like, oh, here's Susan Flannery. Susan Flannery's reel is amazing. It really is. When is because, it not? Huh? When is it not? It's always amazing. I know, but I was <laughs> expecting something. I said, oh, you know, because it's like this perennial Susan Flannery. Uh-huh. But it was a beautiful, emotionally heartfelt scene at the bed of her partner, her long-term partner, Eric, who she thinks is dying, and she has this monologue, this amazing monologue. And I was doing an audio, I'll t- which I can't tell you all by now, but I was doing an interview with Catherine Kelly Lang, and we were listening in this audio booth to Susan Flannery just talking. You're not seeing her, just talking. Mm-hmm. Just talking, Susan Flannery can act. You hear her acting, but you don't see her. She's like, God is speaking to you. I mean, that's how good she is. She, she acts, if you hear her and you don't see her, you're like, wow, she's really acting. I mean, that's how good she is, the way she says her words and the emotion and how she pauses, and she's just expertise. Um, but, hey, but here, here it is. There were uh, four of the five reels were great. Debbie, Susan Haskell, Susan Flannery, Jeannie Cooper, Maura West, who I love, it was not my favorite reel of hers. That being said, I mean, for sure, should win 100% Susan Haskell because that performance, I remember that seeing it the first time. I remember seeing it. It is unbelievable. The problem is it jumps. the, The scenes are cut. So when you're watching it as a viewer, and I'm a voter, and I don't know what's going on, you see the scene start, and right when it gets to this big thing on the real episode of One Life to Live, it would cut to commercial. So it would be like, ah, screaming, and then it would cut. And then you'd pick up the next thing, and then it would cut. So it wasn't long. The scenes were choppy by the way they went to commercial in the original show, mm-hmm. which I'm concerned would play against her. However, if you look at the incredible work she did, it was the best uh, of the year. That is why I picked Debbie Morgan to win because Debbie Morgan gave an unbelievable performance and gut-wrenching performance as well. And her story you can follow beginning, middle, to end Absolutely. in that thing. And it's, it's, it's very cinematic. I mean, it's, it's, it's very... It was cinematic. And originally, I, and so funny, I trashed them originally. I said, what is this train track 1890s <laughs> dress and his hat? And I was like, why are they wearing that? And then I watched it again and went, okay, it's not so bad. I get it. 
because I was so bowled over by her angst on the train tracks and the subsequent scenes after that. Um, it was she was a, she's so good. She's so good. Um, and but my so concern, was Haskell. Susan, no, Debbie Morgan. Uh, yeah, but uh, so was Haskell. I mean, Haskell. Susan, was, no, no. I I want Susan. I am telling you, Susan Haskell is who I absolutely want to win this award. I think Debbie Morgan has will win the award, and I think Susan Flannery and Jeannie Cooper are the spoilers. And then there's Jeannie Cooper, who played against herself, which always wins Emmys. She played the doppelganger Marge mm-hmm. and herself. And again, I thought that seemed like a Tony Geary tour de force. That you, you know, you knew it was going to happen. You know, you you knew it was great acting. But I didn't have the emotional impact that Susan Haskell does. This woman Jenny. is just a dynamo, though. I mean, she's 81 years old, and she's Jeannie? having the year of her oh, life. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. And wouldn't it be interesting that she finally, she never won any Emmys, and now she wins two in a row? <laughs> <laughs> just hilarious. But then, again, but then again, like, if I was to pick the actress of the year, it's Jeannie Cooper, because she carried The Young and the Restless mm-hmm. for most of last year in many episodes. You know that would, but but if I'm doing the individual performance, you know I would go for Susan Haskell. Absolutely. Even though she wasn't technically a lead actress in 2008, I mean she yeah, well, made her seem like one. It's it's, you know, uh, uh, thoroughly compelling. Uh, it's beyond. It's one of those all-time shows when you see her. You can see everything registering, all the confusion, everything, all the, I mean, if you see all the emotion going through her, and there just isn't anyone that, uh, it was just amazing, and I'm so rooting for her, and, uh, but I'd be happy with Debbie Morgan, and Susan, and Jeannie, and I mean, I, uh, what can you, they're great, it's a great group, it's a great group. I just hope we have enough time at the end of the show so they can get up and say their speech. Absolutely. You know, if if Debbie does win, it would be great because it would shame the show into actually giving her a storyline worthy of her talent. She's so good. I watched that, and I was like, she, they waste her. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you want Haskell, is that correct? I do want Haskell. And who do you want for for the actor? um, No, I think it would be great to see Peter Rickle win. I, um... I, I have a feeling that it's going to be LeBlanc. I don't know why, but I, it would be great to see Peter Rickle win it. Right. Just because I remember Bowen Hope when I was a kid, so. We all remember Bowen Hope. It's not that long. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about this bizarre drama series category. I mean, you know, the, 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 the ironic joke here is that All My Children, Bold and Beautiful, and Days of Our Lives were pretty universally considered the three worst soaps. Of 2008, taken as a whole. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> What's the problem? Okay. And, yeah. and and here we come to the top three, and and it's all my children, bold and beautiful, and days of our lives. You know, it, it's it's. No, and as I wrote on my no, and on. as I wrote on my website, it's oxygen mass versus heart valves versus a twister. <laughs> That's what it is: oxygen mass, heart valves, and a twister. You know, it just goes to show you that any any show can put together one exciting episode, and and. But that's to show you, and you know, you have to understand, and I, I would like the audience to know this, this is the same thing with the primetime Emmys. They, you know, when 24 and CSI and who's ever not, they're putting together one show and submitting it. That's how the Emmys work. The problem is when you're dealing with television, unlike motion picture, it's not the film, because the film is a one-time thing, two-hour, three-hour movie, and that's it, you know, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's not continuing on episodic every week. Mm-hmm. 
So that's the issue. There's not not a to, it's not a to, you're voting on the total. You're voting on one show. So when these producers in daytime are thinking, well, how can I win this award? What what do I, what's the best thing to win? How do I put my best foot forward? Well, it looks like if you don't know soap operas and you don't know the high emotional stakes and you don't know all the complexities of these different characters and how they interrelate to each other because I don't let's say I don't follow Bold and Beautiful or Days of Our Lives. Well, maybe if I give them a big disaster thing, you can understand, you know, you see people in peril and you get it. And you or, get swept up in the story and And sort of the story and the production quality and you know that's the best show. And when we deal with feature films, when you deal with the Oscar, what's the best picture? There's always that battle every year, like, well this one was the big grand, you know, epic and then this one had the emotional heart and this one had this. It's kind of the same thing, but certainly these were not the suspects, the people we thought were going to be in the finals <laughs> this year. So who wins it? Oh, I hate saying <laughs> This was really tough for me, really tough. And I anguished about this so much. First of all, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I've never been a fan of the tornado episodes. I didn't like the tornado episodes. I didn't think the CGI effects worked very well. I thought they looked like cardboard cutouts. Where the characters were cardboard cutouts and the backdrops of things. I didn't like it. I was not in love with it. And just because they submitted it, I'm anti the tornado. So that's number one. That left me with Days of Our Lives and Bold and Beautiful. There are flaws in each of them, and there are great things in each of them. And in the end of the day, I think the voters will pick Days of Our Lives. Um, and it's so tough to call between the two of them who really should win. Mm-hmm. The Days of Our Lives thing, the episode of the plane crash, it, you, it's got Ed Scott's stamp all over it, which is great. Um, the production value one is interesting, but after a while, it's like I'm watching oxygen masks talk back and forth, and people trying to breathe, and I was like, <gasps> you know, it was like all that. I'm like, wow, I'm just, I'm, I'm voting on people not being able to breathe on oxygen masks, but then you get to some of the heart of the story, and it has a beginning, middle, and end, or it leaves you cliffhanged. The Bold and the Beautiful story of the heart transplant and storm suicide is a great... I love the story. I think the story is great. And the thing that came out of that to me was how did they not nominate Catherine Kelly Lang in that show? Because in that show, she was running around mourning the loss of her brother who shot himself, her sister who was in surgery, her, you know, saying goodbye to everybody. It was just amazing, and she didn't even get in there. And she submitted something completely different, which I don't know. She should have submitted this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt a few moments of it just were a little preachy for me. Um, when the doctor looked up and said, let's think a minute <laughs> before we begin to operate on this patient and be thankful for the <laughs> fact that I'm like, yeah, she's dying in there. Operate. You know, that's kind of like it was odd to me. <laughs> So, I think it's going to be Days of Our Lives. Okay. But All My Children's got 19 nominations and could be the Darwin. That's true. And, you know, you look at some of those nominations and you're going, really? Seriously? Well, that's my problem here. Mm -hmm. I would be disappointed. 
because I I would much rather see Days of Our Lives get its first Emmy in that category in three decades, and I would I would love to see Bold and Beautiful be honored. So, even though they've both had much better years taken as a whole, well, that's I mean. I mean, if you think of the debacle days of our lives had with Higley Gate and, and exactly. Scott and all the firing of the actors, and I mean, it's been a messy year. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's very surprising. I, I certainly would have seen One Life to Live in here. I would have seen Young and the Restless in here. I would have seen, you know, but I know that those episodes they submitted just didn't ring true to the top mm-hmm. tier of the voters. You know, do you have any sense of why they submitted those episodes? I mean, for instance, why did I, I do. Why didn't One Life submit the the hostage standoff? I mean, that just seems like a no-brainer. Uh, again, I think it's sitting in a room, the producers and the executive producers, and, who, and who's in charge, deciding on what they think is going to play the game against you know, to win them the award. What represents the, their show? What what do they think production value-wise, the look and feel of that show? What do they feel is going to be competitive against other shows? I think you have. It's not like. Uh, I'm sure if I was sitting in a room and there was that standoff show and Vicky goes back to almost dies and you know this this and this it'd probably be hard to choose, but somebody's got to make a decision of how we're going to compete, mm-hmm. and how you're going to compete does not necessarily mean the most emotionally heartfelt show, yeah. because you're dealing with voters that are like I oh this is oh there's there's fireworks going on and there's cars blowing up and yeah. look she's she's sick over there and you know it's just. It's tough, but I mean, even having said that, you know, if you if you take those those Who Wants to Be Shane Marasco's Father episodes out of context, it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense what you're watching. The problem with Who Wants to Be Shane Marasco's Father, I was like, okay, do I like? See, out of context, here's a problem for Michael Fairman and for Brandon, and for people in the soaps and people that watch the show. That show is so cleverly written. Sure, there's so many, you know, there's so many. It was unbelievably creative, and I thought, how great is Ron Carlovati and this team? How funny were the questions that they asked Rex? But it was so inside. And bringing back Jessica Morris and bringing back Catherine Hickman. But 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 it doesn't. But if right, but I don't. But but that's why I demerited it. That's why when I when I'm asked as Michael Fairman, who do you think is going to win? Not who do I want? Who do I think? I think it's going to have a problem because if you don't understand what's going on and who those characters were to each other, is it going to mean anything to you? It just it's looks too, silly. It's too inside. Yeah. That was my problem with it. And as much as I wanted to give the writing award to One Life to Live, I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. But I, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, every uh, as I said, I've sat there and been amazed at what who's what. <laughs> I do have some news, though. I will tell you, I have someone very special joining me on the red carpet that I'm telling you exclusively tonight. Do tell. Lauren Coslow of Days of Our Lives is going to be my fashion commentator Fantastic. on the red carpet, so she will be there with me, and um, we will be giving. She'll be giving her fashion, you know, because she's a big fashion person. Absolutely. So she will be there. And this will be this will be for your website. Right. So what's going to happen, just to tell everybody at MichaelFairmanSoaps.com, is you know if you go there now, we have our Emmy mini site, which right now has the predictions up there. You can follow me on Twitter all night long. I'll be tweeting away from everywhere I can, um, in the press room, on the red carpet, at the production, you know, whatever I can to give tidbits throughout the evening. 
I'll be doing that throughout the show. We will be do, we will be on the red carpet with a video camera. We will be recording video interviews with the stars and the arrivals at the red carpet. I'll be there with Lauren. Um, we'll also do a fashion review on the website. We'll do a full photo tutorial with captions. Lauren's gonna you know tell us who the best do's and don'ts of of me fashion where that should be really fun. Um, and there'll be lots of video clips the day or two after the Emmy so they can see all my interviews with the stars. And okay. then we will have coverage from the press room and we will have covers and we'll have clips from the show and that will all be at MichaelFairmanSoaps.com in the mini in the Emmy mini site section. So that's all gonna come up. You start looking for that Sunday tw- I'll be on Twitter, so you should j- sign up for my Twitter page immediately. I already um, have you have, yes I know. <laughs> It's really interesting because we put it up, and I'm like, oh, people are following me. <laughs> I have things to say, people. <laughs> but I do, I do. I do have things to say. Um, so the Twitter thing, and then make sure Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, full coverage, full wrap-up, lots of video interviews. Fantastic. Um, so that will all be there. And um, So it will be like the old Soap City days all over again. It will be like old Soap City days all over again uh, at the Orpheum on the sidewalk. <laughs> Wherever I can shoot anything, <laughs> anybody I can talk to, um, you know. Uh, and then I wanted to tell everybody that tomorrow, make sure to go to advocate.com for my new interview with Jessica Lachia, um, which is going to be really great. She said some good things. She answers a lot of the questions that people want to know. Fantastic. And uh, it was a really, really tough interview because it was like, a, you know, we were saying goodbye to that too. And um, it's my final Guiding Light interview as far as the written journalist end of it. Wow. So that was kind of sad. So I ended it with her, which made me feel really good. <laughs> I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about the video interviews we'll do on the red carpet, but just as far as the written thing. Yeah. I think that's the last one. What are your What are your thoughts on Guiding Light as we march toward the finale? You know, to my eye, the show is still very tough to watch most days. But, you know, it's great to see the old favorites kind of flooding the screen once again. I tell you what, I almost uh, dissolved into tears, uh, I think it was Tuesday, when Maureen Garrett and Peter Simon were sharing scenes all over again like no time had passed at all. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, I mean, they, they did get everyone to come back, and it is hard to watch at times. And, you know, they had a huge jump in ratings, actually, this past week because I think Olivia and Natalia were back. Center. Um, I'm enjoying some of it a lot, and a lot of it, as I said, it's compressed. The show's ending. You know, things have to wind up, and I think we're going to be left like any soap opera. I don't think everything's going to be finished. You know, we're going to have to live in our hearts and minds of how these characters ended up. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's all going to be neatly tied up in a bow. I, I just don't think you can do that um, as much as people wanted to. I don't know that for sure, but I get that feeling that some things will be tied up and maybe some will be left for us to ponder. Yeah. Um, what are you know hearing about how they're going to wrap up the story? Of the whole show? Um, like I said, what I'm saying what I'm saying to you, I think some things are going to be wrapped up and some things are going to be left open-ended and some things are going to be left to our imaginations. I do know that um, I did ask... Jessica, I said, is your final scene with Olivia? She goes, yes. Okay, so we know that. Okay. Um, I don't want to spoil everything, but, sure, sure. you know, I, I, I think you should watch. Um, I think... Well, you know we're all going to be watching. Yeah, I think you should watch the final three, what are we at, three weeks now? Before it ends? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's three weeks exactly today, so, yeah. yeah. I've been so, actually, it's been really hard for me. I think the more I did the tribute and the more 
it's becoming just really hard. Like I sometimes I can't go to CVS.com and watch the episode because like I, I I'm now in denial. You know, I'm I but I am not. I mean, I get it. It's 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 over. So like we all seen, have to seeing we have and our, Peter on screen together the other day just I just about lost it because you know that they were guiding light to me for mm-hmm. for years and years through my through my coming up days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be. I think no matter what they put on the air for the final episode, which I think you know, Christine LeBlanc and Jeannie Cooper are in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think whatever it is, it'll be sad because yeah, it's over. Yeah. And you know, this one's this one's gonna hurt worse than than Santa Barbara did, or even another world. This did. is much worse. This is much worse than any of them because it's too. It's the longest running show, and it's a part of our history, mm-hmm. and uh, it is definitely it's definitely tough. And it does signify like, and it does you know, we're all everybody's running scared. But I'm hoping that the industry will stabilize itself soon enough, and we can keep what we have left on. You know, we can keep the remaining shows on. Um, uh, but you know, I'm not in charge. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, what, what's your what's your sense now that you've had a few weeks to kind of sit with the news? What's your sense uh, about all my children and and their move west? Is this, you know, now that now that it's had a chance to sink in a little bit, is this is this a good thing? Well, I think it's a good thing from the perspective of their. I think if they would have stayed in its current situation, there was no way that show. I mean, I think it's saying we are going to pick a show to save and we're going to save all my children because we're going to move it to L.A. because it will be cheaper to produce here. We want to keep it on the air. Mm-hmm. It's one of their top brands. It shows everybody knows all my children. And it's a recommitment to it. I don't think it means like, oh, my God, they're going to cancel. They're moving everyone here. Yeah. You know, I think it makes a commitment to the show that they're going to try to keep it on the air. Um you know, the question that Rita asked, it's like, I don't know what that means for One Life to Live. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of actors are waiting. I know there's a September 8th deadline to see if they're relocating and what they're going to do. Um, I know many are thrilled to go and many have issues about going, And but then I don't know where they're going to work if they don't go. <laughs> so who do you think who do you think is not going? Oh, I don't know. I honestly, you know, I you know, I hear this and there's oh, she's not Lucy's not going and Torsten K is not going and I I I Torsten K when I don't know because what do you do about Susan Haskell? Sure. And what are they going to do? Another bicoastal thing, maybe. Do you think they would be willing to welcome him back to One Life to Live if he if he wanted to stay in New York? Of course. He's a big name. Sure. And how great it would be to see them together again. I mean, Oh, how great would that be? Yeah. You know, uh, it's just a weird situation. I, none of us have ever seen this in daytime, where you actually are saying we're going to pick up and move you. Do you want to? Do you want to take the option and come out to the show? I, you know, I, I, desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, that's just. So, are we ever going to find out who killed Stewart? No, it's going to go on till 2011, and by then nobody will care. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care. This is part of the problem. I, I don't care. It's not. I lost interest in that after I couldn't figure out who was even dead. Just, who was dead? And then I was like, what? Are, and then again, Kendall's a suspect for the 900th murder. 
isn't she always the suspect? <laughs> isn't it like if some man walked down the street, she'd be the suspect, and she shot someone shot, she'd be arrested. Well, and then in this story, it was her, then it wasn't her, then it was her, then it wasn't her, and now it is her. I can't follow the story. That's what I'm telling you. I can't follow the story. And I do have a problem. I can't watch the show from front to back. I I just, it doesn't engage me the way I want it to be, especially with the Stewart murder. And if it turns out that Stewart's not dead, I'll be really mad. And, you know, that's that's kind of my, my sneaking suspicion of where it's headed. Yeah. I thought maybe the little girl did it. <laughs> Emma. And then there's Emma and Kathy and this one. There are all these little girls running around. I'm like, <laughs> maybe, maybe they shot Stuart. <laughs> maybe all the children got together and shot a bullet at him. <laughs> That's where I'm going. <laughs> so how great is it to see Erica Slezak back on the front burner on One Life to Live? Well, I hope this time they don't give her a stroke as the mayor. Because last Boy, time, what? huh? I said, I tell you what, it's you know when they started this again, I was like, oh Jesus, she got shot last time when she was the mayor. No, the funniest thing about last time, and this was the all-time funniest. It only could be pulled off by Erica Slezak. But when you think about it, I'm like, who else? They shot her. She was paralyzed in a wheelchair, and then she became ultra personalities while in the wheelchair. She was Nikki popping out of the wheelchair, <laughs> so she was a multiple personality, paralyzed, and had a stroke. So her mouth was over to one side. It was like, how much more can we give her? So I hope they don't do all that to her. Even though nobody nobody plays, you know, the, these high drama, high tiers situations like Erica Slayback. I'll watch her do anything. She's my all-time favorite. I'm just saying. It was just kind of ridiculous. I mean, who has a stroke in a wheelchair and multiple personalities at the same time? <laughs> and, is, and is running for mayor. That was the thing. So maybe Dorian will do something and lock her in a room and flip her out. Something like that's going to happen. I know it. Maybe. What's your take on the Fish Kyle story? Is it living up to the to the hype so far? I just talked to Fish today. I was on the phone with Scott Evans and his mother for a new feature for Advocate.com. As you know that um, his mom is coming on the show to play his Fish's mom, Barbara Fish, mm-hmm. the week of September 16th. And it was a, a really great interview to talk to them, the real-life you know, mother's son, about his coming out and about the gay storyline. And she's a very... Um, Scott's mom is a very progressive, open-minded woman. And... Um, I really think the story is actually good. I mean, I actually am liking it, and I'm really interested. Tomorrow's a big day. He comes out tomorrow on the show, and he actually admits it to Layla. And then actually, the, that happened today. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see. T- well, that's because I'm at the guy. I'm at the Emmys. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> that happened today. Yeah. Yeah, that happened today, and you know the scenes were very powerful. I mean, you know, uh, I, the, the only thing I'm worried about about the story is it's kind of islanded unto itself. For now. But you know the scenes were were undeniably powerful between him and Layla today. It was it was very good stuff. Yeah. So I meant today. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm I'm in another world right now. But it's okay, you can be yeah. forgiven. Okay. But um, he did say that I know that in the coming weeks that him and Barbara Fish, you know, she's going to have problems accepting it, and his father on the show is going to have trouble accepting it, and. Um, they are very happy with the way it's played out, and I did ask him about how he felt about the kiss 
And uh, he said he thought, you know, he was very nervous when they had to do the kiss. Mm -hmm. um, he was very concerned about it, but he thought it came out okay. So I'm liking it. I, I certainly think they're dedicated to telling it. I think they're certainly doing, they're giving it a good start. And again, as with every gay storyline that's been tried, I have to see it play out before I can really judge it. But so far, I'm, I'm encouraged. Yeah, they're doing a great job so far. And, you know, it, what's great about it is One Life to Live kind of made its name on being the, the socially progressive, you know, you know, soap. I mean, the socially diverse, the ethnically diverse. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's great to see this show doing this subject. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. I mean, this is, this is right up their alley. I'm glad they're finally doing it. Absolutely. So uh, kind of my last topic before I let you go. I know you're so busy. Yeah. And you have so many things to do before Sunday. Yes. But, um, uh, uh, what have you thought of YNR this summer? Are you are you concerned about the kind of increasingly plot-driven plot antics, or or no? Say that word again. What did you say? I didn't hear you. The, the kind of the the, the increasingly plot-driven antics and storytelling uh, that has crept into YNR this summer. Are you concerned about it? When you mean, what are you what are you considering that? Like, what what to you means what you're saying? What well, do you? Well, when you look at something like. Um, I don't know, a complete revision of, of Philip Chancellor III's history mm -hmm. to accommodate his, his real-life sexuality. Mm -hmm. If you look at the whole Adam-Ashley thing, I mean, if you look at even Lily's cancer, I mean, it seems like a plot device. Yeah, I, I think what is really interesting with Young and the Restless is originally I think myself and everybody was so excited because these stories seem to have such great, starting points and they seem to evolve at some point they were like I really liked I thought the Ashley thing was really creepy and it was getting he was more disturbed and that was getting really good at some points and then I thought you know I didn't know like the revisionist history of the Philip Chancellor the third thing I think it was really hard to believe that mm -hmm. he would think that Kay and Jill would not be accepting of him in the story um, and the whole pain how Kane fit into it I think Lily's cancer happened really fast. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and not I, even about her. It's not about her. And and the whole Mary Jane thing, I mean, it's just been crazy. Well, the Mary Jane thing, I was really, really loved when Doug Davidson freaked out when he found out it was Mary Jane. I was Patty. I thought that was great. And I've been interested in that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of disappointed right now. I I, I feel like w what is the point of the Philip Chancellor the third story? W what is the point of Lily anymore? I mean, I, I feel I feel let down right now. You know, it was so great to see Tom Beards back on the canvas, but then uh, I, the, to me the story went over the the initial kind of confrontation went over like a bomb, and they just haven't recovered from it. And it seems like they're not quite sure what to do with it now. With Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I, with Philip and Nina, with Philip and Jill. I mean, with the whole. Well, this it is the thing. Like they're not this, quite sure what to do with the whole story. Right. And this is why I'm a little puzzled because I thought there was a commitment to telling the story. And what is the story now? I mean, I, is the the only gay man on the show supposedly is Rafe. So. Is Rafe and Philip going to get it together, and are they going to go dating? Or did that happen already while I was at the Emmys? I'm sorry. <laughs> did I miss that too? <laughs> no, that hasn't happened yet. But... Oh, I just want to be sure it didn't happen while I was at the Emmys. 
but you know, uh, I mean, the one of the, one of the writers was in Soap Opera Weekly last week saying that they're not even doing a gay story. So I know it, it's 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 very strange. Well, if that is what does come to be, that would be really bad. I think they'll get a lot of heat from the gay mm. community for that. Um, it hasn't been good. What's going on with the Philip Chancellor story? It hasn't been engaging. I really, I didn't like. I mean, they brought in John Driscoll, and I'm waiting to see what's happening with that. I mean, I do know that they take their time with things. They have a lot of stories going on. Mm-hmm. So something has to take a back seat. And that's the only thing I can say in all in fairness to that. But uh, oh, Are we headed for another baby switch with, with uh, Sharon and Ashley somehow? Oh. Is that, is that, I mean, is that where we're going with this, or, or are they going to surprise us? My hope is they're not going to do that, but I really hope not. But uh, I don't know. I just want Ashley's torture to be over. Amen to that. That storyline has gone on way too long. So, yeah, I do want that to have some resolution. I'd and like it, to get you know, it was hurt by the Adam switch midstream. I mean, that there's no question that 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 that, that hurt the momentum and the kind of the the flow of the story. Well, yeah, it disrupted the whole it's a different actor. Even though he's a very good actor. He is really good. I think he is really good. It's just a different actor yeah. playing the part. Um I just would like to see some things have some resolution and to understand where they're going. And, but I still think it's more engaging than some shows. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I just want to say that I still think YNR, I would still tune into YNR and watch it from beginning, middle to end. I will. I will watch One Life to Live from beginning, middle to end. They're both watchable every single day. I mean, every single day. So it's really hard for me to sit here and slam it because when I look at some of the other products that's out there <laughs> on some of the soaps that are not watchable from beginning, middle to end. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to let you go. I know that you have, as I said, so many things to do before Sunday's big telecast, and I appreciate you by here and gabbing with me for a bit. It was a great thrill having you back on the show. And you're oh, welcome thank you for having me. I hope I answered your questions. You certainly did, and okay. then some. Okay, good. So watch the Emmy Sunday. Will do. Uh, go to michaelfairmansoaps.com for Emmy recap and all our content and Twitter and come to advocate.com for Jessica Lucia and there's lots of other things coming up and I, we didn't have to touch upon. So we'll do it some other time. Absolutely. All right, well, have a good night. You too. You're welcome here anytime. Please come back. Thank you. The fantastic Michael Fairman, everybody, on Brandon's Buzz. Brandon's Buzz in the can for August 27th. 2009. Um, I want to tell you quickly how you can find the show. The main, the show's main website is blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. From there, you can listen to old shows. You can download old shows. You can leave comments. You can send me an email. You can tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. You can. That's kind of the main hub for the show, blogtalkradio.com slash Brandon's Buzz. Uh, you can also find a full radio archive at my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. Just click on the blue radio button at the top of the page. That will take you to a page which has every show listed. You can click on each date, and it will take you to a page where you can listen to the show. 
and you can see the great banners that my pal Joanne makes to help me advertise the show. That's at brandonsbuzz.com, my blog. Also, I'm on iTunes. You can find me on iTunes, guys. Just type in Brandon's Buzz in the iTunes Music Store search box. Scroll down to the podcast section, click on my logo. From there, you can download individual old episodes as podcasts, or you can subscribe to the show and have them automatically download to your iTunes library the minute they're uploaded to the iTunes Music Store. So I'm all over the Internet. There's no excuse not to be able to find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Just Google the words Brandon's Buzz, and something will pop up that will point you in my direction, and I appreciate you finding me and listening to me. I want to tell you quickly, coming up in September... I've got actress Jessica Tuck. Everyone knows her from One Life to Live as Megan. She was Megan for three and a half years on One Life to Live, and she's gone on to great success in primetime and in films. She's coming on the show to talk about her amazing career and a great new website that she is kind of spearheading, an environmentally conscious website, which she's going to have great fun telling you all about. That's coming up in September. Also in September, a return visit with Nia Peoples, the magnificent Nia Peoples, Uh, She was on the show back in February, and it remains, of my 31 episodes, that show remains my most listened to episode. Uh, And she's coming back for an encore. She's going to be in a Hallmark movie on September 12th entitled Citizen Jane, and she's coming on to talk about that. We're going to talk about fame. We're going to talk about The Young and the Restless. We're going to talk about her amazing 30-year career again. Uh, So please come on by for that. You can check out... My blog, brandonsbuzz.com. We don't have any firm dates yet for those two people and for anybody else who's coming in September, but you can find information uh, about who's coming up and when they'll be up on my blog, brandonsbuzz.com. As I get the information, I post it. So uh, just check out, the, check out the blog, check out the website, blogtalkradio.com slash brandonsbuzz for complete information about who's coming up, who's been on the show, who will be on the show. Tell me who you want on the show. Uh, I take any and all constructive criticism and uh, comments, and I love you guys listening, and I thank you guys for listening, and I hope you keep listening to Brandon's Buzz. Hi, this is Brenda Russell, and there is definitely a buzz happening. Brandon's Buzz. I just had the most fun in the world doing Brandon's Buzz. This is Louise Schaefer. It's a fabulous podcast, and it's a great, great way to spend some time. Brandon is the best. Hey, hey, this is Nia Peoples, and you are checking out Brandon's Buzz right now. Hey, everybody, this is Beth Maitland. You probably know me best from my role as Tracy Abbott on The Young and the Restless, and I'm talking to you about Brandon's Buzz. Come on, you got to find him. Hi, this is Gordon Thompson speaking, and I want to tell you that I have appeared on Brandon's Buzz, and I had a great time, and I think you will too, so please, log on. And have a Merci à vous tous. Écoutez Brandon Buzz sur Blog Talk Radio. Bonsoir et à très bientôt. <laughs>